0: Uh, what was read out earlier we're just going to uh, capture something that was written there which is a very cool statement about faith in Hebrews 11 there is so much in this Bible you know that's inspiring and encouraging if you just chew on it for a while I often start uh, thinking about what we're going to talk about the following week uh, on the Monday, and I'm just amazed at how much it begins to percolate and it lives. In Hebrews 11, Paul is speaking, uh, or some people think it's Paul who wrote Hebrews, but nobody's really saying exactly because we don't know. He's, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of we do not, what we do not yet see. And you can only be sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not yet see with practice. We can't, you know, um, We can't get confident in in saying something and believing something will happen unless we grow and practice that. So by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. And how was it formed? It was formed by a spoken word. It was formed when God said, let there be light, and there was light. And that's a fundamental principle of God's kingdom, that He speaks and things are spoken and they come into being. The fundamental principle of the realm of this world in which we live and the realm in a sense of darkness is that you are terrified by what you see and you take that into the invisible and you become controlled by it. And Jesus came into the world to say peace and victory is found in the invisible first which is in Jesus in the Spirit and as you step into the visible with that confidence you will see the tangible change. That's what healing is about. You have an issue that's in the body and you speak healing in the name of Jesus and He releases His power and He brings into being that which did not exist. He overcomes that which the tangible just holds you to. And you don't just uh, learn that by reading the Bible. You learn that by letting it live in you and then through you. There's no way you can keep it here and it'll work. It's all about uh, practice. It's about stepping out. And so he says, By faith we understand the universe was formed, that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. And then he goes on um, towards the end there. Without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists. He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. And all he's saying there, it's not a reward of doing good works. It's just going, I'm learning to live as Jesus did, which was declare the truth of God from the invisible into the visible which is exactly the same as light breaking into darkness. Prophetic words are speaking over people saying, God has made you to be a warrior and I call you to rise up and step into the inheritance and identity that He has created you to be. And you at the moment are not aware of that. You say, I am but this and I am but that. And your whole definition of yourself is through your family history or your circumstances right now. And God's Spirit starts speaking into you like He called into the cave with Lazarus and He says, come out. And then He says to people, Start, you know, take the grave clothes off them. It's the truth of God speaking into the spirit of the person and then saying we need to help one another step into the reality of that. Does that make any sense? If you live with your visible, sides, your, your visible sight and your emotions, you will never see any change. You will be a slave to this world. Which is most of us, that's where we live. Jesus is extraordinary, He's radical, he's totally different. And you only get his truth from him. So if we go to Luke, which has got a very, very uh, sweet passage today, which I, um, I'm buzzing here, because I just think this is very powerful. Jesus, last week we talked about Jesus went over the, the uh, lake in Galilee in Luke chapter eight. Jesus went over the uh, the lake to where the demoniac was, naked and mad and crazy. And everybody sort of struggled with him and he was known as the local nutcase. And uh, he was very, very seriously uh, demonic. And Jesus came up to him and he just cleansed him of that demon, that whole legion of demons. And that man was sitting there in his right mind and the people around him and the people in that village asked Jesus to leave. And we thought about that. He asked Jesus to leave because Jesus was being too radical. He upset them. And we thought about how many times do we ask Jesus to leave because He's challenging us, upsetting us. Or He's not doing stuff like... A, you know, I prefer religion. I like to know when we start, when we finish, what hymns we sing, how it goes. We like to be in an hour and out in an hour, Please. That's religion. That's dead. That's just empty, 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 empty. And so Jesus comes into that place and he just declares the kingdom of God and he has compassion on a man who's totally, totally demonized and he sets him free. And the people, like so often, they don't rejoice over the freedom of the man. They rejoice over being offended by the way Jesus did it, when he did it, how he did it, who he did it with, whatever. Them is us. So often, isn't it? We have so many opinions and so many paradigms that God wants to break down and change. And he's continually trying to say to me, to us, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. And his ways are just much kinder, much nicer, much more gentle, much more powerful. So in this passage from Luke, uh, you, you, you see this, Jesus is just being told to go away by the on the other side of the lake so he goes away and he leaves that demoniac and he says you give your testimony of what God has done and God used that testimony to actually reach that village and Jesus goes back to the other side to the Capernaum side somewhere around there and the the, the response is totally different there's a huge difference in one boat trip the response is everybody crowds out to see him they all want to see him they all want to talk to him now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about twelve, was dying. You've got a religious leader, a guy who has spent his life studying the Torah, a guy who has got a fair amount of prestige in the local synagogue, A man who is respected in the town, probably because he can also read. And a man who, with all the religious trappings and all that's going on, has no power when it comes to a daughter who is dying. She's 12 years old. It's when the crisis hits that your faith is tested. It's when the crisis hits that what you believe is tested. then it demonstrates where God is really, truly, honestly. And Jairus found himself with his daughter dying and all his Bible studies and all his knowledge and all his connections and all his status and all his education left him standing at his daughter's bedside watching her die and he had nothing to do. You ever been there? There will be times in your life where what you say you believe is tested like that and that's when you know what is in you. We're great at talking and debating but Jesus begins to be proven in the nitty gritty of life. And it's in the nitty gritty of life when things are going badly that either Jesus rises up profoundly or we're left empty with words. And Jesus is wanting to convince us and invite us to understand that He has come to share life with us. And that means trauma. That means horrible things. That means all kinds of stuff we can't control. And Jairus was in that position where he had a revelation, basically, that he had nothing that he could bring to this daughter. And the only thing he had heard of was there's this man, Jesus, who the synagogue rulers don't like, But he heals people apparently or maybe he knew something more. He's desperate. He's desperate. His daughter's dying. What would you do? And so he gets out of his house and he says, well, if there's any truth of that, if there's only 10% of truth of that, I'm going after it. And he goes to where Jesus was and he's a dignified leader in the synagogue and he falls at his feet. He falls at the feet of a Nazarene peasant and he says, please, please help me. My daughter is dying. No doubt in tears. Please, please help me. And Jesus says, sure. I'll come to your house. That's the love of the Father. And Jairus is going to the house with uh, Jesus. And there's a whole bunch of people around Jesus. Picture this, picture this, picture this. God is, there's a huge, huge truth in this. Huge amounts of people around, pressing in. And some woman, Jairus is a a dignitary in town. This woman is nothing. She has suffered from an affliction for 12 years, which has probably kept her indoors and isolated. She is ashamed of her condition. She doesn't want to be noticed. She wants this to be done incredibly discreetly. She doesn't even know anything's going to happen. But she's got no money. She's got nothing. She's just got an arm to reach out and touch this man who apparently heals and say, God, please help me. And her touch was unlike any other touch of the people around. Power went out of Jesus and she was healed. And Jesus stops and he says, Who touched me? And dear Peter. Seeing in the natural just goes, Oh, Jesus, please. We're all being touched by hundreds of people here. They're pressing in and from all sides. Lots of people touched you. And Jesus said, No, I felt power go out out of me. This was a different touch. This was the touch of faith. And he looks around and the woman is busted and she, she tremblingly comes up to Jesus and falls at Jesus' feet. Just like Jairus did. She's nothing. Afraid. And she tells Jesus the story and Jesus picks up and says, Daughter, your faith has healed you. A woman reached out through the crowd to anonymously touch Jesus to get healed and she got healed and Jesus embarrassed her. He stops, he he, He looks around, He pulls her right out of the crowd in front. Her greatest fear was to be noticed. But when you're noticed by Jesus, He takes away that fear. Because Jesus was saying, I don't want to heal you anonymously. I want to heal more than just your bleeding. I want to heal your identity. I want to draw you up in front of this town and say, you are worthy woman. You are my daughter. Be healed. There are many, many people who are not fully healed because shame and avoidance and hiddenness stops it. We're sometimes trying to protect each other too much in privacy. Everything Jesus did was actually in front of people for a variety of reasons. Just be aware of that. He will never embarrass you, other people can. That's why we have to be very respectful but he will, make, he will make you uncomfortable. This thing must be doing something. Here's something else about this. There were a lot of people touching Jesus. One got healed. It is possible to be close to Jesus. It is possible to touch Jesus and to have nothing happen. There is a dynamic with God that depends on how we come. And if you reach out and touch Him with hunger and desperation, something will happen. But if you just hang around passively in His presence, don't be surprised if nothing much happens. You just watch other people. The story today is about people who hunger and are desperate and want to get to Jesus no matter what because they don't have the resources in themselves. It's about people who leave their homes and reach out and travel to wherever Jesus is because He's their only hope. It's not about people like Jairus or her who sit at her door and sit inside and say, God, if it's Your will, please heal me. He's already declared it's His will to heal. Then He says, Humbly hunger after me and go wherever they're doing healing and see what happens. How hungry are you? When I ask this church... By the way, I'm not angry. Don't hear my voice tone wrong. All right, I've got to qualify myself. I'm passionate. When I ask this church, if for those who are sick, please stand up. Almost everybody stands up. When I ask for people to come forward for healing, about ten come forward. When we offer prayer for healing on Thursday evenings or now Wednesday mornings at the prayer time, nobody comes virtually. So I go, how hungry are you? How much do you want healing? How much do you want God to impact your life? You've got to get out of your house. You've got to come out. You've got to do it. I'm busy six, four, usually minimum four nights a week. I work all day and in the evenings. I understand busyness. I also understand hunger. And it's a pleasure to do it, it's not a sacrifice. If you're hungry, you're going to get fed. If you're lazy, you won't. If you're praying for God to work in private in your house, welcome, but you will be here for the next five years saying, God's not answering my prayers. We need one another, and we need to make efforts, and we need to be hungry. And so there was a desperate father who fell at the feet of Jesus. There was a woman who was nobody who fell at the feet of Jesus and he released healing into them because they came. Jesus went to Jairus' uh, home. We know the story. and He went to Jairus' home. What happened? While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just believe and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house... Now these guys had never seen a resurrection. They had never seen somebody healed before. It's another thing that just occurs to me as we're going through this. Uh, do you limit your experience of God or your openness to God about what you understand or what you've experienced so far? That's beautiful, isn't it? Read the Scriptures and say, Bring me up to that, Lord. I don't understand it, so I'm not going to believe it. Throw your cell phone away. Throw your car away. Throw your telephones away. Throw everything away. (laughs) Nothing is understandable. Necessarily. Are we having fun this morning? It's my birthday message. Passion. I'm fired up this morning. I think this is very, very cool. Why? Because I think this is all about a God who says, it's all you need is faith. You don't have to be rich, you don't have to be poor, you don't have to be educated. All you need is faith, and faith is a desperate human being saying, God, I need you. That's all it is. I want to cash in on what Jesus won for me on the cross. I don't understand it all, but I understand more than yesterday, but I know that when I say yes to that, something changes in me, and it's good. You don't have a testimony, it's probably because you haven't reached out. We had a cool time. This is anonymous so the person doesn't know that I'm saying this. Somebody said to me, I haven't cried ever. And I said, give me 30 minutes and you'll cry. Because I know God the Father's heart. Well, I didn't get the 30 minutes, but a few days later, I cried. Because God will break a heart that's desperate. Jesus will reach out and embrace anyone who says, God, please, I need you, but I don't even know who you are. It's cool. It's cool. I love throwing down the gauntlet and saying, I bet you he will. Because he loves you. And just because you screwed up doesn't mean he can't work into you. He'll get you. And so this father, he's now got a dead daughter who Jesus says is alive. And he arrived at the house of Jairus and he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John and James and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. I can just... All these wailing people. He said, for goodness sake, shut up. They just didn't put in the translation because you would offend a few people. I'm sure he says, shut up. What happens there? You're in this environment. No, Jesus, I'm sorry, Jesus, you wouldn't have said that. That's me. They're in this environment and the environment is full of toxic faithlessness. People are wailing and grieving. Fair enough. I mean, it's a 12-year-old girl who's just died. That's tragic. But hear this, that the atmosphere that we create makes a difference in terms of how God's presence is free to work healing. When I say, when we worship at the beginning of the service, come on up. Come and impact the worship. That's what I'm talking about. Be part of creating a place where God's presence can be released with healing power. Don't just sit there and watch it and let everybody else work at it so that you can receive. Start saying, Lord, I'm offering you my worship because you are part of creating the place where God says, I can be there. It's a mystery to me, but I know it's powerful. So you have a part to play. Don't be dead weight. Be a spectator for a while, but then jump. And so the people laughed, and they laughed at him knowing that she was dead, but he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and once she stood up, then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, and he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened, basically because he didn't want to get bugged by the whole sort of distortion of the story. I remember that story from when I was five years old in a nursery school, and for some reason we had that story told, and I wrote down in a little test or something we had, I said, the girl got up and made tea. And they told me, no, she didn't make tea. And for some reason I've always remembered that. I thought it would be cool if she made tea anyway. So, where do we land now? This is exciting. Pretend it is. This is about passivity or, or hunger. want to finish with this just to think of this Jairus came to see Jesus and said my daughter is dying and Jesus started moving towards his house messengers came back saying the daughter has died and the people around said don't bother him anymore the people around said don't bother Jesus anymore because she has now died and there's nothing that can be done in our paradigm hold that thought He then goes to the house and the people are there wailing and they say, She is dead. This is a joke what you're trying to do. Hold that thought. The woman who's in the crowds reaching through, touching Jesus. Power comes out of Jesus. Jesus stops and says, Power has left me. Who touched me? Peter says, God, that's crazy. Everybody's touched you. Hold that thought. If Jesus had listened to Peter to the friends of Jairus or the family of Jairus the girl would have stayed dead and the woman wouldn't have been completely healed and everything they said was true and logical and rational and something that I would absolutely have concurred with and said yeah it's over and Jairus' daughter would have been buried and that woman would have been hidden and half healed possibly what does that tell you? With God, things are possible that I think are totally impossible. How did the disciples learn that Jesus was amazing? They saw this again and again and again. How do you think you're going to learn that God is supernatural, very powerful, and can heal in amazing ways if you never place yourself in positions where that is done? You've got to turn up. You've got to press in. You've got to say, here I am. You've got to be boggled. You've got to be frustrated. You've got to weep. You've got to do the stuff with people and you will see God's faithfulness break out. It's all about what's in here where faith is built. And you can't get it second hand. And Jesus is inviting us to say, will you be a place... Where people can come and they can actually be encouraged to believe for the extraordinary. That when they come to you, you don't just look at them and say, "There's nothing we can do," because naturally we're stumped. We say, "We know one who is supernatural, who can do amazing things. Let's let's press in and ask him to heal." And when you see God healing people, you go, "Jesus, you're amazing." I mean you love people you do actually disarm darkness you do bring your light you are amazing and he says well I want to make you look amazing because I'll just zip through you if you want you place your hands on people and I'll heal them so he's calling everyone here up for that don't be a spectator if you need healing press in for it get hungry give him some time and see what happens you don't have to be insignificant you're not insignificant and your status doesn't really matter the only position is on your knees before Jesus crying out help, help, help and he always just says I love that not your crying on my knee at my feet just you're coming to me And then seeing how he receives and how he works it out. Faith is believing what you don't yet see. Faith is coming to him before you've been healed, saying, Jesus, here I am. Faith is praying for people before you see they're being healed, saying, Jesus, will you heal? There's no safety net, it's in the spirit. But the more you do it, the more confident you become that He is faithful. So, we're going to pray for a bunch of people today. Some of them will be during communion. But um, I've had a chat with some of you and I do want to pray very specifically right now. Uh, For some of you in business are struggling. There's a lot of struggling businesses. And, and people struggling and stressed out in business. So if you are struggling in business or you are in business for yourself, uh, stand up please. We're going to pray for God to just uh, meet you where you are and uh, meet your business. We're not, this is not about uh, making you all multi-millionaires, although if he wants to do that, that's fine because you have to tithe and then we'll all get a benefit. But um, this is more about encouraging you in business. Now listen, be really clear about this. God couldn't care less about your business. All right? I want to get your attention. He couldn't care less about your business. What business are you in, Leova? There you go. You're in the big business. Right, all right. So, God couldn't care less about your business. And What I mean by that is, He's not going to say, Oh yeah, I'm going to bless your business while you behave like an idiot. He's not going to bless your business if you actually have an attitude that isn't glorifying to Jesus. Just understand that. He doesn't wheel and deal. But he says, if you come to me like Jairus did, and if you are humble in heart, and you are open, and you ask people for help, and your spirit is right before me, who knows what could happen? So you can't separate business and you. But He loves you. And I'm just advising you that if you want to see your business blessed, make sure that your relationship with Jesus is cooking. So Father, we thank You for these guys and girls who are standing right now for their businesses. We thank You that You care about our situations in business. And we thank You that You are one who loves us extraordinarily. And so we pray just pour, put your hands out over the people who are standing and just pray father we pray blessing and wisdom over their business enterprises we pray that father that you would give them wisdom that some of them might need to they might need help we pray for humility they might need to ask people for advice so just pray Father that you release wisdom into them as to how that they can take the next step in their business for it to be a place that is witnessing to you that you are a God who is faithful. And we just ask you to bring breakthrough. We ask you to bring uh, resources. We ask you to bring people to share. And we ask you to just release these businesses uh, into places that maybe they've never been before, you never thought they could be. So just receive from the Lord. Just say, Lord, whatever it takes. Here I am. If you want me to talk to somebody, here I am. Uh, if you need, if I need to do things in my own life, here I am. And we just bless these businesses in Jesus' name. We ask for favor. Amen. Amen. We're going to uh, have a song and go into communion. I uh, just want to give a few words here um, during.